so wonderful to know Jesus. I'm telling you, I just can't ever put into words how wonderful it is to know him and to be able to walk with him. Can you believe the God who flung the skirts of Saturn and splashing the claw in the little mosquito hands can come and live inside of us? What a marvelous, wonderful thing. Well, I've been talking to you about what God says in his word about the position of fathers. We never leave mamas out because without mothers, we wouldn't even be here. Amen? So this is no way to discount, this discount the position of, of mothers. But what God has been showing me, I mean, drilling home to me in my heart, is the fact that we are falling, I think, in many aspects, not all, thank God for this church and many churches like this where fathers are taking their position because without that, we'd already be gone, okay? This is what Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart thereof. I've got seven things I'm going to try to get covered here this morning. Number one is fathers stay close to your children. It's very, very, very vital that you be close to your children. Absalom rebelled against David. You remember the story. And tried to overthrow his father's kingdom. Why did that happen? Because David loved Absalom. But Absalom did something. There's an Absalom spirit that's still prevalent on this earth today. Every pastor, eventually, if he pastors long enough, will have to deal with the Absalom spirit. This is what Absalom would do. He would go and do favors for people. And he would build a following around him because of the favors that he did for people. Now, the downside of that, I have never, in 60 years of ministry, I have never seen somebody that had an absolute spirit that I believe was sent there by Satan that did not fall. They all fall. You know the story of what happened? David was so busy fighting Saul that he didn't take time for Absalom. Absalom was his third son. He had ten sons. His tenth son was Solomon. And he had time for Solomon. But he was just caught up. We, fathers, we have to be careful. We can get so caught up in making a living and providing for our family that we miss the main purpose for which God has put us here. A home rises and falls with a father. A lot of homes in America don't even have a father present. So sad. If you've got a father, you praise God for your father. And let me ask you this. Please pray for your fathers. Faith of our fathers. Remember that song? We've all heard that song. I believe this. I've done this. I've tried to do this my whole life. Tell your children you love them. Daddies, it doesn't hurt you to say, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. And especially to your wife. 
tell them. Tell them that you love them. Next thing is, tell your children you believe in them. I had two people in my life that believed in me. The first one was my mother. I've been on my own since I was 15. You've heard that story probably. Made my own way in life since I was 15 years old. But my mother believed in me, and my wife believed in me. Just the fact that they believed in me made major difference in my life. So two things. Love your children. Tell your children you love them. Almost every day, I've got both my daughters here today. Every time I talk to them just about it, especially the one that lives with me, sometime during the day I tell them I love them, I appreciate them, and I am very thankful for them. Children are the blessing from God. And listen closely. Daddies, you set the tone in your home. Daddies make the difference in the home. It's big time that you show your love and you show your family that you believe in them and you trust them. Because I'm going to tell you, you've heard this before. If mama ain't happy, what's the rest of that? Ain't nobody happy. So you make sure that your children see you love your wife and show affection to them and to your wife. Okay? Daddies, it's so important, so important that you show affection to your daughters. Now, I'm talking about a loving, godly father, that type of affection. If you don't, some boy in the back seat might. You hear what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Next, pray for your children. Pray with your children. When we were just, oh, many years ago, my little children were just growing up, uh, we had a lot of fun, funny things happen. My oldest daughter is in control. <laughs> She's been that way since she was born. And so we're at the table, and they, they're just little, little bitty things. Could barely talk. And so we'd always have the blessing. And my oldest daughter would say, Daddy, Carla's peeking. And I'd say, how do you know she's peeking if you're not peeking? <laughs> she never could get that. <laughs> but <clears throat> take your children with you. Take them on mission trips. Let them hear you pray, Daddy. Let your children hear you pray. It's important. Now, I didn't have the blessing that some of you have had in growing up. I, I grew up in a home that was a, quote, Christian home because we all believed in God. But as much as I love my mama and the daddy, I never heard them pray. I never heard my daddy pray. I never heard my mother pray. But you know what? It doesn't... When God steps into the picture, it doesn't matter. All that will change. When, once Jesus comes into the picture, that is, is, it, it just changes everything. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you about, this is a little off subject, but I want to talk to you, daddies, about finances, about money. 
we are brainwashed in our country. I saw a commercial pastor just this last week, and it was how you get your automobile for 72 months. That's six years. So much down, so much. I'm going to tell you today, if you'll do what I'm fixing to tell you, you'll be financially independent when you get old. And if Jesus doesn't come back, we're going to get old. And if we live, we're going to get old. Now, do you think it'd be worth listening to if I can promise you, if you'll do what I'm telling you, you can be independent? I have been financially independent for years. I have, n I have not financed anything. I've never borrowed from a bank. I have never financed anything in over 60 years. How do you do that? Well, I'm going to tell you how. It's important that you understand this because let me tell you, if, if you come to the place in your life that you're struggling with your tithe because you don't quite have enough to make ends meet, there's something wrong with that situation. Okay, so you do what you want to do with your life. I'm just trying to help you here. I am born. It's in my genes or it's in, it's, it's just in me to help other people. Next to evangelism, the main thing I like to do is help other people. I get great joy out of helping other people. I was a pastor in Lufkin, Texas, way back in the 60s, and it's the only church I ever pastored that put back a little each month for my retirement. Well, when I went into evangelism, I decided that I was going to try to take that out because we needed to live, and I could only get like $2,500. And it woke me up. And so I began to research way back in the 60s. And I found out there's what they call the rule of 72. How many of you know what that is? Uh, that's good. Many of you. If, if, this is the rule of 72. You make your investment. And then you see what the percentage is. And you divide that into 72. And it tells you how many years it takes to double. Now here's the secret. Here's the key to this thing. Especially if you're younger, you can do it when you're older and it'll help you. But here's the whole key to this thing. You want to get your money to keep doubling. Now, when I mentioned to you that I haven't financed anything in over 60 years, I was including my home. I've owned two, three homes in my life. Can I tell you how I built my home? And didn't finance it. I didn't go to any bank. Pastor's been in my home. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty nice home. In fact, one of the main real estate ladies came to my home for some reason. Uh, I was in the building business at one time. And, and uh, she said, if you ever decide to sell this, contact me. My wife and I designed that home. This is what I did. I never financed an automobile. Here's the key right here. All right? If you can pay a car note, you just have to do it one time per person in your family that drive and want an automobile. 
especially mom and dad. What you do is you pay into a savings account what you were going to pay in the car note, and you drive your old car. If you have to haywire the thing together, you only have to do it for one car, for life. And then from then on, I have a separate account set up just for automobiles. And so that, that account makes money. What you want to do is get the interest coming your way, not paying it out. Now, I understand if a man's in a big business and he has to borrow money to make money off of somebody else's money. I'm talking about you personally in your personal life. So what you do is you get that interest coming your way. Now, this is what I did. I, did I, have, I have only financed one automobile in my life. And I'm, I'm going to be 85 on my next birthday. What I did is I opened an account. And then when I get enough money in that account, I walk in. And they, they act kind of shocked, like, I said, I want to buy this automobile. Oh, how, how do you want to set up the terms on the, I don't want to finance it. I want to pay cash for this automobile. I've been paying cash for automobiles for 60 years. Get the money coming your way. Now, this is how I did my home. I waited. I was, I was pastoring in, 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 this is not my first home, but I we were on three homes. What I did was I waited until the biggest rain came. Then I went out and looked for a lot. And I found one up, up on a hill with all, I've been there since 84, with all the storms that we've had, water's never even stood in my front yard. I mean, all the hurricanes, you name it, the whole thing. So I, I found my lot, and I, I paid it off. I bought the lot. Then when it came time to build a home, now, I've done a lot of things in my life because I've been on my own since I was 15, so I've worked concrete construction, I've built homes, uh, I've done all that. I know how to do all of that. And so uh, when I got enough money, I had my lot cleared. Now, we were living in a parsonage. Then when I got enough money, I went in and uh, I hired it done, but we put the foundation in, put the chain walls, all of that. When, I got, when they got ready, when we got it all done, I went back to them and I said, now look, I want you to take a, a two by 12 and I want you to raise my whole slab another 12 inches. I paid for the slab. Then when I got the money, I did some of the work myself. I was a general contractor on my home. My wife and I designed our home. We love it. We've got a, and, and by the way, in all of this, I've gotten my wife everything she's ever asked she's gotten. Well, that's how I built my home, little by little by little. When I was, my home was built, it was paid for. Do you know how much a month that would save you? And I took that same amount of money that I'd have paid on a house note, and I got me, this is very important, I'm not smart enough to know the market. So I got me a good financial advisor. 
and he's been my financial advisor for years, and I didn't even know when I got him. Wells Fargo sent me a letter. I don't know if he ever knew I got the letter. And it said in the letter he was one of the top financial advisors in their whole company. Wells Fargo's a big outfit. And so he manages my money for me. And so you get that money to Dublin, well, guess what? You start up, maybe it's 10000 Next thing you know, it's 20000 Next thing you know, it's 40000 Next thing you know, it's 80000 Next thing, you can just add the figures on up. Just by using my head a little bit. Amen? So I never have to worry about a bill collector. Now, let me tell you the next thing. My wife, when we were young, she always loved the beach. So she wanted a beach cabin. So I was working at a chemical plant then. That's before I was called to preach and saved. And so this is what I did. We went down, found a, believe it or not, we found a beachfront lot for $1,000. <laughs> you know how much they are now? What, 100000 <laughs> And so I wound up uh, buying about five or six lots uh, and uh, didn't pay any interest. Bought it. Now, she wants her cabin. We are renting a little apartment. And the lady was a real sweet lady that we rented from, and there was a vacant lot next to her that she owned. I said, could I build a beach cabin on that lot and have it moved to the beach? Any of y'all ever remember a man named Casey Jones? Anybody remember Casey Jones? That's way back there. He was, he was the head of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association for this area. He was a wonderful guy and, and a character. And so uh, I built that cabin totally by myself. Everything. I mean, I did it. I lifted the walls on it. I did everything. Plumbing. Um, everything. You name it. Electrical. The whole nine yards. Roofed it and everything. Well, Casey said, uh, I, I'd already talked to Casey about it. He was a mover. And he said, I tell you what, Mr. Vaughn, he said, you can put a glass of water in the middle of the floor, and he's going to move this from Beaumont all the way to Crystal Beach. And he said, if I spill that glass of water, you won't owe me a dime. I didn't put a glass of water out there. I didn't test him on it. So we have a, I, I finished it, and you know how I paid for it as we went. It was paid for when I got it completed. We hauled it down, Casey Jones hauled it down to the beach, put it up on piers, and then soon after that, I got saved and called to preach. So we sold it. And so when we sold it, um, then after I'm in the ministry and going through college and seminary and all of that, my wife still wanted another beach cabin. So I still had that beachfront lot. So this is what we did. If you use your noggin, you'd be surprised what you can do. We started looking in the paper. I had a lady in our church help me look in the paper. Found a building. The guy, what it was, it, it, it was a nice size, big enough for a beach cabin, and he wanted it off his property because what he did, he had used it as, as he, he had it moved on his property to build his home. Now he's built his home for $1,000 we bought it. 
And I had a guy in my, in, in my church, Russ Miller, you've probably never heard of him, but he was, a, he was, a, he was quite a character. And, uh, and so uh, I, I said, Russ, I, I, I need to find some pollen. Goes to Spindletop. And the pollen in my cabin came out of Spindletop. And so we, 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 I, I fixed it up as best I could before we moved it, moved it down to the beach, put it up on those big piers, and little by little, we paid for everything. And when we got it built, 20-something years, we enjoyed that cabin. You could sit on the deck of the cabin and see Galveston in the lights at night. You could, you could watch the porpoises play during the day. I could wade fish and catch all the fish I wanted to catch right in front of my cabin. Of course, I had a boat and all. So, uh, uh, we, had it, we had fishing rodeos. I had up to 40 men that would come. They'd bring, all bring their boats. And we'd wait until October. And uh, uh, I see Pat raving, raving his head back there. Pat is a friend of mine. And uh, I was a member of my church. And uh, we would catch the sea trout. There was no limit on sea trout. We'd catch them by the hundreds. And, and then we'd fillet them. And, boy, we had the best time. We had, we had men actually saved on the fishing rodeo. And we did that for 20-something years. And then the Lord spoke to me. If you listen to God, he'll speak to you. He said, uh, sell the cabin. Boy, nobody in the family wanted to sell the cabin. But I said, and so he talked to me again about doing it. I sold the cabin and got a, a, got a good amount for the cabin, beachfront cabin. And... Uh, Five months later, the hurricane came and leveled everything. All the years it had been there. If you listen to God, he'll save you some money. Amen? And so I put that money right into my retirement. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is, I wound up, when we went off to college, when I got out of college, I didn't know a dime. My wife went through college, and she didn't know a dime. And we went to East Texas Baptist. And I went to Stephen F. Austin for two years. You know how we made it? I owner financed my houses. I let, I let people buy it, and they paid me. And did you know, believe it or not, this, let me tell you how much interest you save there. On one home, by the time it was paid off, I made three times what the home was worth. Can you believe that? That's why today I'm, I'm financially independent. I don't have to worry about, about finances. Now, if the nation falls, well, then we're all in trouble. Amen. But as long as the nation's standing, I still have my good financial advisor. Listen, listen to some wisdom here that God gave me. Use your head in doing with your finances. If, if you just, every third car is free. If you won't finance the thing. If you'll pay yourself. But you, you see how brainwashed we are? How many times do you see advertise the full amount with the car? They're going to sell it for. You don't. You see how much the notes are going to be. 
Okay, enough said about that. I, I, a lot more I'd like to tell you there. Next thing is, teach your children to tithe. Tithing, hear me. I'm, God said this. Tithing is the gateway to financial success. But you also have to use your noggin too. You also have to, you know, don't go financing a bunch of things and getting a bunch of bills. And, and so always give your tithe in an offering. I've been, I'm so careful about that. And I've been doing that since 1961 when I got saved. Next thing, don't be a know-it-all. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. The Lord said in Isaiah 43, Behold, I do a new thing. I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I never, ever wanted to be a boss. I just don't like bossing people. That's just me. And I learned something from that. This is, this is what, I, what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a mentor. I want to be a leader. You get around me, and I'm going to talk to you about how you can be blessed. That's what I'm about. I want to get you saved, and then I want to get you blessed. That's in me. It's an ever fiber. Pastor has the same thing. Ever fiber of our being. Amen? We're here not for money. We're here to help people, to bless people. That's why God called us. That's why God put us in our position. Very, 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 very important. So, this is, did you know at one time, with the church, the school, and the seminary, I had 65 employees. Did you know if I had the boss's mentality, I might be able to get by with bossing two or three people, and then they wouldn't be happy. How are you going to boss 65 people? No way. So I started studying. We live in a world of information, good information. I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to help people. I never wanted to, and by the way, this is so important. I don't ever compare myself to someone else. It's always discouraging to do that. And besides that, listen to every single person on this earth, God has equipped with special gifts. And we're all unique, and there's no two of us alike. So when I got, became a pastor, I, I, I found out that they had something, it's, it's an evaluation where you could take this evaluation and discover your spiritual gifts. That did a whole lot to help me because this is what happened. When you get people working in their spiritual gifts, they're happy. You know what I would do with my staff? We had about 25 at, at the church. I'd bring in all my ministers. And I would say, look, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, you're going to take the evaluation. We're going to find what your spiritual gifts are. 
Now, when you find out what your spiritual gifts are, I want, to, I want you to take three weeks. I want you to go home for three weeks. And I want you to write down what you see in your particular ministry. I had a minister for everything, starting with, with, with bed babies, going up to toddlers, all the way up to senior citizens. My senior citizen minister was wonderful. They were all wonderful. And, but I had a, a minister for every age. And with those ministers, I would have them come back. Well, what would happen is they would put together what, what they felt God wanted them to do. And then I'd sit down with them and we'd go over it. And I'd say, well, okay, let's get after it. Guess what happened? I never bossed them around. Didn't have to boss them around. Now, we had reports. And they'd have to come give me reports. So all you had to do was look at the ministry. You could see how it was going. But every minister felt like he had a ministry. Everyone felt, this is my ministry. I'm a part of this team, and we're getting this thing done. That's how we're able to win so many thousands of people to Christ. I couldn't win all those people, but I had a team, and they knew I, I loved them, and I stood with them. You know? And so uh, in about three months, you find out, uh, if they're going to really do it or not. Amen? <laughs> Pastor knows. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you, you, and, <laughs> and you, usually those that can't do it wind up being, what do you call it, um, the Absalom spirit. Okay, now, I studied everything I could study. The Word of God first. I took a course called the Dynamics of Personal Leadership a great course on, on how to improve yourself. And there's one out there. It stays out there all the time. One year before I was born, Dale Carnegie published How to Win Friends and Influence People. If you've never studied that course, please do. You can get it online. It was published in 1936. I studied all John Maxwell's leadership books. I don't know it all. So I learned, I studied, I studied, I studied, I studied. I took those courses over and over and over and over. And as a result of that, guess what? I'm not in the limelight. My staff was in the limelight. They were able to develop them, themselves. Next, this is so important. Tear up the scorecard. You hear what I'm saying? Don't keep a scorecard on people. When I was an evangelist traveling, a lot of pastors liked to play golf. You know, I was always the one way in the back. <laughs> we had golf tournaments, and they'd put me and my, my, one of my, my assistant ministers, Joe Crawford, they put us way in the back. <laughs> Because, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I could tolerate it, but <laughs> we, don't do, we don't do everything. But it was that scorecard. When we got to the end, I was ready to tear that scorecard up. <laughs> All right. But the, we keep scorecards on people if we're not careful. Tear up the scorecard. You understand? Don't keep a scorecard on your children. Don't keep a scorecard on your mate. 
Let all bitterness, the Bible says, and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. All right. This is the next one. I am not too good to help around the house. You hear me? God is able to make all grace abound toward us. That you always have an all sufficiency in all things to every good work. I wash dishes. I fix things. For years and years I fixed things. Anything broken, I, I, I never had a, a person come out and help me. Now, now I'm so old now, I'm starting to get somebody to help me with my pool. But when my wife wanted a pool, she got a pool. When my wife wanted a sunroom, she got a sunroom. When my wife wanted a beach cabin, she got a beach cabin. See, so uh, she, my wife is not one that wants a whole, whole lot, but uh, let, let me, let me, I'm about through here, but let, let me close by saying this. You can do, you have a lot more gifts in you than you think you do. We all do. In addition to all that, I've always loved music. I played five instruments. Believe it or not, I've led choirs. Um, I've cut uh, three albums. Uh, produced the Church Alive broadcast through Miracles of God. Edited my own broadcast for 27 years. Uh, hosted talk shows. Uh, baptized thousands of people. I used to think I had to baptize them all. In those days, Pastor, they didn't tell me that somebody else could baptize. I thought the pastor had to baptize. It wore me out baptizing people. I found an old record the other day, and that's when I did all the baptizing. 3,444 people I'd baptized. It just wore me out. <laughs> and finally, after that, 10 more years went by before I retired, and so I started having my staff do all that, like Pastor does. Pastor, I should have had you back then, you know. <laughs> but... Um, this is what I'm going to close with because my time's up. I know it is. This is what I close with. Believe it or not, I never was stressed out. I never burned out. Burnout's when you take it on yourself. But when God's in control, you don't burn out. Now, you can still go to so long you do. I mean, we'd have to take some breaks every now and then. I don't know if I've helped you with all of this, but I hope you have. I have. Yes.